Blog Talk Radio. Radio program. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, September 11, 2021. I need to be honest and say that I actually had not planned on having a program today because I felt that there were more significant programs going on, more significant things that people had to say. And then something happened last night where I found myself, I turned on the TV, and there was right in front of me the rebroadcast of the NBC network on the night of September 11th. 2001. And I think it, many of us, even at that time, in fact, I even had said that it's, it's hard to watch the, the towers fall. We saw it a lot. We saw it over and over. And I think it, these, this is a complex day. But when I was watching that broadcast, it brought me back to the time of what it felt like, personally, as an everyday person in the United States. And I realized that although, and I watched some this morning as well, there are many incredibly significant, pivotal Memories of this day, families of heroes, people who just escaped or people who did amazing things that day or co-workers or just so many people directly involved in that day in some way that somehow the everyday stories may not seem worth saying. But as I sat and watched the broadcast that I think I actually watched, I may have been changing channels, and some of the time I had a a young child. I was a young mother. It was a different time for me. As I watched and knew that I was watching the same events unfold that I did that night, 
And it wasn't earlier in the day. It was later. It was that night. That was an incredibly powerful and meaningful experience. And it dawned on me, as some of the other coverage indicated, is that those of us who fully remember that day, um, not everybody does. You know, time is moving on. And many people, including some who listen to this program, weren't old enough to remember or weren't even alive at that time. Although I would tend to think most people were, but whether as time goes on and anything I share today is lingering. It's the everyday experiences that also have meaning. And not only that, we have soul work to do with what our own experiences were. And we can't help but reflect on what has happened since then and where we are today and all we're going up, all we're going through right now in 2021 and that came to me and even as I was watching because I was not this spiritual I was going to say leader I don't know if I'm quite a leader teacher spiritual teacher I have led at times yes in the years since I had some places I mean what is a leader anyway I was a project lead at work and you can lead just a small project. It doesn't have to be big. I wasn't this person who's talking to you now. But it dawned on me that the things that led to me becoming this person who I am now, some of it had seeds in that day. And I would tend to think that is true for others in the listening audience, that the things that happened that day had such a profound impact on us, even in everyday ways. And let's just be clear, there was no every day on September 11th, 2001. It dawned as every day, and I'm going to tell you what I did that day. It dawned that way, but it was clearly not every day. And it changed our every days for 20 years after and continues to change them. We would never be the same. Some would lose loved ones. I know that. There may be some of you listening who lost loved ones that day. And my heart goes out to you. In fact, in a little bit... I'm going to play a short meditative piece. It's slightly over a minute. And we will sit and reflect about that. And we'll reflect in a spiritual way as well. But not quite yet. It's, there are a lot of things that one can say that may seem trite. And yet, those things are still true. And all of us, who were living through this, were having a shared experience. They say um, that the people who measure um, energy fields, let's get this in a spiritual place, they detected something that day. 
And that must have been pretty new back then, and I wasn't into it then. I'm pretty sure I heard about this. I'm kind of going from, this was years later I would have heard about it. Whether they could have detected it or not, it was clearly happening. Everybody stopped what they were doing. Everything changed for everybody in some way or another, and certainly in the United States. Actually, I am not going to go any farther with the story until we do take a moment to breathe. While you are breathing through this moment, I do want you to remember the people who were lost. I do want you to remember the people who were courageous. And I also want you to remember everybody on that day. And as I have said many times on this program, in the realm of awareness and consciousness and spirituality, there is no separation of space or of time. Send love and strength to them, to the world, to yourself, to your loved ones in this moment. Reflect on what seeds it planted in you. Reflect on other seeds that you can see. Or just simply breathe. But there is no separation. We can be present with those people. Be present with someone in grave distress. Perhaps hanging on to the side of the building. One of the things I saw on that footage was they were showing the people hanging on to the side of the building. I mean, part of it. They didn't show everything that night. It was... Think about what they were going through. But I will let this be, of course, your unique experience. Let's honor ourselves and everyone in the entire world and this country and beyond on that day, 20 years ago.
thank you for reflecting. That was about a minute and a half, actually. And I did this show very spontaneously today, and I want to honor who provided that piece. That was from Richard Crooks called First Breath, which he had gifted to this program when he was on. He did the artwork for this show, a very talented artist. And I like that it had an international feel to it as well. Richard lives somewhere else. He doesn't live in this country. And he's lived a few places. And I know that there are listeners worldwide. I'd like to talk about what that day felt like to an everyday person who was me at the time. And I would tend to believe that this also reflects some of your experience, those of you listening. And if you were outside the United States, I'm sure it was very scary too. You may have had a mix of emotions and information on that day. One of the first things I realized as I think back is a lot of it is a blur. You look at the memories now, you look at the programs now, and they lay out this timeline. And when you were actually living it, you were living the timeline. And someone on one of the memorials today, um, one of the broadcasters said how fast it happened, that these things happen one after another after another. And Although there is some truth to that, they also seem slowed down at the same time. And I was a mother. I was living in Kansas, which was an interesting place to be, very close to the center of the country. So part of my experience is going to reflect what was unusual about that. I lived in a rural area, or certainly it was just basically on the edge of the city, but a little farther out than that. So it was semi-rural, rural. I've often lived in such places. So I lived in the Kansas City area. That day, it was a Tuesday, and I had to look this morning to remind myself it was a Tuesday. I knew it was a weekday. My son, who was not yet in school, he wasn't old enough, had a class. It was a piano class that he had every week. And it was a mother-child class where we played together. So this becomes significant later because at no time in that class could any of us leave the room. We were fully engaged, the parents and the children, playing these pieces that we had practiced in the week before. And we played duets. It was a really cool class, and it was actually called Harmony Road. And he had, we did a, more than one of these. And it was for young children. So we had plans that day. The first thing that I remember was I was getting ready in the bathroom and I had the radio on. And a report came on 
about a plane. And it sounded like maybe a small passenger plane, like somebody hit, you know, one of the towers. And I wasn't real knowledgeable or well-traveled. I'd never been to New York City. In fact, I haven't been there to this day. I've been to some places nearby. I've been to Washington, D.C., but never. um, In fact, I went during high school on a program, which I never forgot. To New York City, no. And I'd never been to a number of the places that were mentioned that day. So although we have an awareness, of course, of buildings in New York, and, you know, you you have some awareness. For me, I had never stood under the World Trade Center myself. I had never been in there. I'd never been to the restaurant like some have. I'd never been to New York City. It sounded like a private incident at first. That's kind of the way. They weren't jumping to any conclusions. It sounded that way. And I know I went into the kitchen and turned on the kitchen TV. I may have been getting breakfast ready or knew I needed to. I had things to do that day, you see. I was a young mother, and we had somewhere to go. Later, it may have have been even more compelling if it had been a school day. And I was in the Midwest, so I was an hour uh, behind East Coast time. I remember calling my parents, and I think they were already aware. I can't quite remember all of that, but I know they were watching. I just wanted to make sure they were watching, and I may have even called another family member. I had no one who lived in, well, that's not true. I did have people living in New York. See, as I talk about it, there are memories that come back. My parents were from that area. I just had never been there. So I had relatives in that area. And you see, even now, I'm just, but I didn't tend to have relatives who worked in finance and things like that. So I didn't have a feeling like someone I knew was there. I mean, it. it but that must have had a nuance, too. Now, my parents would have lived there long before um, they built those towers. Well, not long, long, but before they built the towers. My, The biggest thing that happened that day was when the second plane hit. I can't remember now if I was in the bathroom still getting ready or running to the kitchen. I know this sounds very trivial. But the thing is, is this is what it was like to live an everyday life on September 11th, an everyday life in the middle of Kansas. I didn't grow up in Kansas. We were living in Kansas at the time. When the second plane hit, that was the truly chilling part. Not to say the first plane wasn't horrible, and you weren't really concerned about what was going on. You really didn't think about the building collapsing. That just didn't really come into your psyche. I mean, unless you're a building engineer. I did have a scientific background back then. It was well after I had gotten my degrees. And I was working part-time as a telecommuter long before that became popular in 2021. And we had no Zoom, but it worked. And I was a project lead working part-time and also 
taking care of my child as a work-at-home mom, a stay-at-home mom who worked at home. And it worked for years. It worked for me, and I, I loved it. If you're called to do that, do it, by the way. I will never regret it. After the second plane hit, that's when it really struck home, that this was not, I mean, I know everybody's saying this, it sounds so trivial, but when it's your experience living through it, this was not an accident. That's when it became very surreal and impactful, pun not really intended, for everybody listening, everybody watching, everybody in the United States, and probably for a bunch of you in other parts of the world in different ways, because you didn't know what was going to happen either. I had to make a decision. Several. I had a young child. Um, some of this, I can't... He would tend to play a lot in his playroom. He had a playroom, and so he was in there, or he was getting ready... Um, he needed help. I was probably back and forth, back and forth as a mother getting him ready. But the big decision I had to make was what were we going to piano? We had to go to the city, or at least part of the city, a close-in suburb of Kansas City. I don't think right at the beginning it quite fully sank in this could happen anywhere but I think it started to there was a point I don't know that it fully sank in because otherwise I might not have left the house but we did and I know that somehow my son was out of the room or I probably had to turn off it I think I even remember turning off the tv even though I wanted to watch it you couldn't help but watch it what was going to happen this was real life unfolding. You didn't know what's going to happen. In hindsight, it's all neatly packaged up. This is what happened, and this happened, and this happened. That's all that happened. You had no idea what was going to happen, and that really came through to me as I was watching the broadcast of the actual night of September eleventh, two 2001, the actual broadcast on NBC. You didn't know what was happening or what was going to happen. And I had a young child, and I didn't necessarily want all these images in his head. I don't even know if he remembers it. I may have to ask him. I don't think he probably does remember much, but I don't know. He wasn't in school where kids were. He wasn't old enough to be in school. But I must have had something on that was exposed to him because I know we left and we drove to piano class. We drove to the city. This is when I had to look at the timeline This is this before this show. And to be fair, it's very important to realize when you are experiencing a traumatic event, and we all did that day, that's the thing, don't belittle your own personal experience that day or on any traumatic day for that matter yes there are powerful powerful famous high profile stories 
What's your story? What did you feel that day? How did it change you? What were your fears? This is a program about fear. Brave enough, not like some of these people and what they were doing, the ones that we've all heard about. As an everyday mother in the Midwest, I was from Colorado. I hadn't grown up in the Midwest, close enough, but different in feel. I drove my child to our piano class. That was a big step that day after you knew that it wasn't an accident. But we were going to go to that piano class. That was what we did. And we were going. I know I had the radio on at least at times. I don't think it was on continually. I think maybe I was turning it on and off a little. I couldn't help it. You wanted to know what was happening. And this is where I can't quite remember. It's a blur. It's a blur. I had at least a 25-minute drive to, to get there, to where we were going. And, of course, I got there a bit early. So looking at the timeline, what I was trying to figure out is had a tower collapsed and did I see it collapse? before we left. I'm pretty certain I did not. I'm looking at the timeline again. Let's see. See how this is? It seems like cheating, right, with memories? But it astonishes me that on such a day, I can't quite remember the sequence because it was all a blur, because that's what it feels like to be in a traumatic situation, even when you weren't in New York City. I remember looking up at the sky as I was driving, and I do remember that. And I do remember, and here's where I'm pretty sure I was driving towards the city, there seemed to be more... um, trails in the sky than normal at that point and even more so later but what i was seeing was because we lived in the middle of the country is kansas city was one of the top places to send planes because it's so close to everybody so a lot of people they had to land at their nearest major airport and the the government landed the planes it said you have to land now They wanted these planes out of the sky, and I remember seeing plane trails in the sky, and I remember seeing circles of trails. The only thing that's a little bit vague is, you know, was it after or before, but no, I'm quite certain I was heading towards the city in my memory, and that was unusual. Still haven't found. Let's see. What about the Pentagon? Had that happened yet? I, it would have happened while I was driving. Well, would it? See? See? This is hard. It should all be clear. I'm with a child. It all blurred together that day. Let's not look at the timeline. I don't need to cheat and look at the timeline now. That is a key of memory, of trauma. It all started compounding is what happened. I'm pretty certain I had to make this decision to leave even after knowing that, yes. And I'd actually stayed when I had been in Washington, D.C. Our hotel happened to be right by the Pentagon, 
And this was when I was um, a high schooler. I went on the close-up program. And one day I had come home early, which I wasn't really to the hotel. I didn't feel well, and I had actually taken the subway and gotten off at that stop and walked to my hotel. So I actually knew that area. And I may not have, I probably remembered it a little bit better back then, but that's a pretty vivid memory for me because I felt insecure. I was a high schooler and I probably wasn't supposed to do that, but I felt sick and I wanted to get back to the hotel that day. And that was years before in the 80s. Whatever was happening, I knew it was bad and I knew that we were under attack and we went to piano. We went into this piano store and we went to the class and we shut the door and I'm pretty certain we were in there for an hour. That I'm also trying to remember. Was it an hour? Was it 30 minutes? I think it was at least 45. In that time, we were totally blacked out from anything happening in the world. I wondered, would someone break in? Like if there's an attack right here or would someone tell us from the store? Probably. But nobody came in. We were in total isolation, and we had to be who we were. We had to be normal. We had to play those pieces. We had to be our parents with our children, mostly mothers. I think there might have been a dad or two. There were some in those days. Um, And we just, we did what we did. That was important. When I look back on it, any of you who did what you normally do on that day after realizing what was happening, that in itself was an act of courage. That in itself, and this will relate to some other reflections I have, and this show may go into overtime. Um, I am very appreciative that that, um, even though it was spontaneously defined, that um, Blog Talk Radio had it briefly on the front page, and a minute ago it still was. Yep, it still is. Thank you. Our everyday experiences are important. Going about my everyday life, although many were horribly disrupted, so let's be clear, I'm not trying to undermine the sympathy I have for those of you who are experiencing something horrific that day, like the loss of a loved one, or if you were in New York running away, or anything bad that was much harder than what I was going through. But for me, in my everyday experience, on a non-everyday, I chose consciously the everyday I chose not to change it. We went to class. And as I recall, we never did miss class. Unless I don't think it was canceled. It's not like the pandemic now where things were shut down. Some things were, but not that. And I had no idea what was happening during that time. By the time... I got out of class, we got out of the class, I do remember the people at the counter, and this may have been true coming in, at some point I know a guy at the counter said like what we were going to do, what the United States was going to do, and what he mentioned that he thought 
we were going to do was the harshest thing we could do. I mean, think about Hiroshima. That's what he thought we were going to do in response. We did not do that in response. But that's what this fellow in the store who was middle-aged commented. He, well, he just surmised, we're going to do this, you know, that, that that's what was going to happen. Nobody knew anything. Nobody knew what we were going to do or what they were going to do or what they, who they were. We didn't know. And I know I went home. We didn't go anywhere else. Maybe we picked up McDonald's. It was close to lunchtime. And yeah, I was in the city and I, or at least the, the suburb that we went to. And we probably may have picked up something for lunch to make it go quicker. And no, it wasn't always healthy. And I was in the Midwest. There were other things that were. Let's not. Who was I then? I wasn't that spiritual. I had these spiritual seeds within me, but I wasn't like this. That came later. So we came home, and I know I did watch that broadcast that night, although I wanted my son to be somewhere. You know, you're trying to protect your child who's too young to really take all of this in. And I may need to ask him next, how much of this do you remember? Do you remember anything at all? I would be curious. Even listening to the radio was almost too much exposure, just a little bit in the car and off. It was very hard not to be a news junkie that day, and I was a news junkie normally when I could be. And certainly later, after he'd gone to bed or during his nap or different times, I'm sure I had it on. I'm not going to go into too much more detail. The most significant thing was we did our everyday thing. After that, it was very quiet. I remember that, the lack of planes. I never realized how many planes we had going over when you didn't have any. It was just silent. More than I realized, though, I do recall hearing fighter jets because in that part of the country, you would. And also, they were around major cities. And when they would loop around, they might have come near us. I remember hearing them in the night, and that night I went to sleep near my my son. I mean, we felt insecure, and things followed after that. People don't talk about now. I mean, how there was a point where we didn't know if the mail was safe. Lots of things happened. You didn't know what was going to happen. I remember when my husband at the time, um, his first business trip came up at some point. He had to go, and... It was early. It was, I think it may have even still been in September, maybe October, because plane travel was stopped for a while and then restarted, and I remember being nervous about that. I can't remember the, the next time I got on a plane exactly, but I know that when I did, you couldn't help but think about it. I wasn't in a place where I had to travel all the time, but I was a telecommuter, and I generally went back to the office once a year. So a lot of things happened. The first time we rode a plane after that, any one of us. Can you remember your first time of riding a plane after that? Not only that, even some years later I wrote a short story, and I would have written it around 2004. Even then I tended to think that more big things could be happening soon. 
we didn't, nobody would have dreamed that it would have just stopped. Or it didn't completely stop, but there was this feeling that really more bad things could happen. And this does become relevant to today because we're living in that uncertainty. We're always living within uncertainty. This is a show about fear. It's about your relationship with your fear. There is a frontier beyond. It doesn't mean it's totally gone. There are moments. There, there's a way you can diminish them. You can live in a less fearful way. You're not going to be totally without it. Maybe some guru out there is. When I look back on that time and I think about how things have changed, and I was thinking about that last night, I think we change too much, truthfully, out of fear. I remember life before that. And yes, life has risks. Getting on that highway that day, I had to drive on the highway to go towards the city, carried risk. Getting on the highway today carries risk. And although we didn't realize that something this terrible could happen, maybe intellectually we'd been told it could, there'd been other things that had happened, but not like this. When it actually did happen, it changed us. Are we better off? That was the question. I reflect a lot about history. One of the things, and I seem to keep repeating this just because it just so had an impact on me when I was reading it not too long ago, how when you read about early civilizations in particular, it's a continual one group overrunning another group, one group then enslaving another group or killing them or taking their land or it's just it's it's not just in one place like in Mesopotamia it was constant and really the only civilizations that managed to be somewhat immune from that at least for a time they almost always eventually in fact they always eventually had an issue of some kind or another was if they had some geographical characteristic that protected them so that early life of survival, and you were in survival mode too, but you are already in some kind of a group. You know, you were, you were forming a culture. You had a society, and someone would invade and take away your freedom. That's why I put freedom on this show. When you see the, the night of that attack, there was a lot of talk about freedom. And yes, people were very um, together, and they were singing patriotic songs. There was a lot going on that, that during that time, and I do remember, of course, that time. I don't remember being out. I was in a rural area. We didn't, like, go out on the street and start singing or something. But no, that didn't happen. I'm not so sure we were really... That just wasn't a part of our experience, but I'm sure some of you may have. I did, um, and I mean, no doubt you heard about people going to help. 
I really didn't know people. I know I heard the relatives were okay, even I had relatives in that area. Freedom. The reason why, historically, we protect our cultural traditions, our societies, whatever they may be, is deep inside, and we've lived other lives. There is this urge to be free and to stay free. Because traditionally, when something happens to collapse your society, you lose that. You lose your freedom. The other thing that really came through then and is true now, the assumptions that were made, the broad categorizations, how we just grouped I mean, you didn't want to do it, but there was a tendency for people, in quotes, I'm not so sure, I was in such a sheltered area at the time, this wasn't really a part of my everyday experience. It wasn't a particularly diverse area, for example, right where I was. And so... I know that in other parts of the country there were lots of things, lots of hurtful things that happened, lots of assumptions made, lots of infringements even. You know, it because of broad assumptions about groups of people. There was more what I noticed was you did feel, would I have used the word unity? Not exactly. But there was a togetherness. I don't know what word I would have used. We didn't know what we wanted. We didn't know what was happening. I did not grow up in the Midwest, so culturally even that area was somewhat different than me. And even there that makes a generalization. When we generalize our fears, we infringe on freedom. That did happen. And it still happens. And we hurt one another. We hurt one another deeply. We create wounds that are some of the most difficult to heal from. Some of the worst things in history have happened when there have been broad generalizations, when some scapegoat has been shown, even, you know, in situations similar to 2021 in the past, although far more severe in intensity. That doesn't lead to a good place. The live show is close to done. I'm not going to go too far over. Thank you for being here if you're listening live. You can learn more about this program at FrontierBeyondFear.com. It's on several other platforms, or a few anyway. (laughs) 
we are doing each other a disservice. And it happened back then, and it's happened throughout history. We cannot allow our broad, often, in fact, not just often, always inaccurate, broadly applied assumptions to wound us fatally or anywhere approaching that. We are wounding one another with our assumptions. And that happened back then. We are wounding one another with our fears. And that happened back then. Have we created a society that is truly functional and stable? I don't think so. I think we've gone the wrong way. I think we've created a society and a world, not just one place, that has so many mechanisms in place that could be used for harm if human beings do what human beings do. Every time we create one more of those things, we enable, I was going to say risk, but actually we enable its misuse. What I see since that time is we need people of maturity and honesty. So many things have been asked, so much confusion over the years and so much confusion now. We will not be mature in our approaches to life if we do not have an honest relationship with one another and with truth and a genuine interest in knowing what it is like for other people and why they are like they are and why they make whatever decisions they make which without making these broad-based assumptions. Because when we do understand that, that we're not all the same and that there can be some really good reasons why people are the way they are, either culturally or in other ways, health-wise, many different ways. We cannot broadly generalize or make harmful conclusions. This group-to-group harm of one another has always been with us. Scapegoating always has been with us. And to move forward in a truly spiritually aligned way, love-based way, it doesn't mean that tomorrow you just give up all trappings of what a society is like today. That's hard to do. I mean, that may happen at some point. We may simplify in the ways we approach things. But it really means having the depth and the maturity to stop making assumptions and generalizations and come to a better understanding of things. When there are things that are in science that is so elevated these days, and this is the spiritual community here, 
And I have said many times, having a scientific background myself, that spirituality is the pursuit of truth, and so should science be. And I'm borrowing from the movie Contact, where that was stated, maybe the book too. We shouldn't be afraid of simply talking to one another. There's a verse in the Bible, come, let us reason together. Why is that an important verse? This show is multifaceted in its spiritual outreach. And let's be clear, there are many cases of multiple groups persecuting or harming another group, religious and ethnic, in the world, in the history of the world. And we can't be in denial of that either. We need to take a step back from our assumptions and from our impulses. What I see happened back then in response, although everybody was afraid, and sure, we got it, was impulsive decisions were made, and many of them were not wise. You can be guided to do something, sure, but these impulsive acts can harm us. Come, let us reason together. Let us reflect. Are there multiple opinions on a topic? We have so many issues facing our world right now. And yes, the pandemic is one of them. If we fear honest discussion among scientists and among groups as well, among different cultural identities, different ways of going about life, then we're not going to get out of this unscathed. We're only going to harm ourselves more. That's what's going to happen. And we're at tremendous risk of that right now. I do not align myself with those approaches. I know what it's like. I know so many people of different persuasions and on different topics. And when you get to know the person more deeply, the assumptions fall away. Sure, there's always going to be some outlier that, you know, you can still have empathy for someone who, you know, maybe is having some real issues, although even there you got to be careful with your assumptions. But we can, there, there's a wide spectrum. But here I'm talking about we have to stop making these assumptions about one another and get to know one another better. And we're not allowing ourselves to do that right now. And we didn't allow it then, and we made some snap decisions as a civilization, and some of those things could really lead to our downfall, ultimately. If Hitler had had at his disposal some of the things that exist today, well, it would have been game over. And the problem is is that there are still dysfunctional people, of course. There are still dysfunctional trends. There's still dysfunction because we're human beings. We need to be more mindful going forward. We need to be reflective. And yes, I believe spirituality is extremely important. But And above that, 
well, not above perhaps, but in conjunction, honesty. Honesty. You know, societies can have an ego too in a way. But if we're always spinning things because of some egoic reason, or it could be a financial reason, or it could be a whole bunch of reasons that are not particularly functional, that's not a functional society. That's a wounded society. We are still wounded. And we've got more wounds to deal with now. That place of empathy and seeking to understand. Seeking to understand does not mean you get it. You may not get it. You may be upset. That's another thing. Release it. Work through your anger. They say it's a transition. Fine. But that anger leads to impulse. And it's not healthy. We need to breathe. Work with the anger. Don't just let it fester. I've seen so much of that. I've seen so much lashing out online. And in many cases, people I wouldn't have expected it of, people I used to know, people online that I used to know that, that just can't seem, just it's a continual attack. That's not healthy. That's not going to get us anywhere. It doesn't help. We defeat ourselves. We defeat the planet when we behave that way. And we need to be doing our own inner work. I'm not perfect. Of course not. But this is what it means to be on a spiritual path. I'm going to wrap up now. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you can reflect on how we can, each of us, do better. Do better to seek to understand. To loosen our grip on it's my way or the highway. That's not the highway. <laughs> I mean, that the highway would be better, actually. But you know what I'm talking about. No, it's not just one way. And no, you don't know everything about name a group. No. Any more than I do. And no, we don't need to be at each other's throats all the time in our social networks or anywhere else. This may seem like that. This may seem like lecturing. And I I don't mean to lecture, but we have to release this or we're not going to heal. We're just digging at these wounds. We're not going to heal. If we can't get through this, we won't heal. And there could be some big challenges ahead. But you know what? There are still miracles. And I won't wrap up quite yet because part of the seed of that day for me, September 11th, 2001, is I really do believe it set the stage for the following year when I faced a very scary health crisis, which miraculously disappeared. Poof, gone. 
puzzled the people at the time that were looking at it. It wasn't, it didn't go too far. Thankfully, I didn't have to go through that. I've had this happen and seen it happen more than once with other people I know. Miracles do happen. But because I had to face my mortality, I always just thought of that year. Well, no, the year before wasn't so easy. And then after that, yes, there was a more identifiable awakening. But it wasn't easy because I was wide open for a while. And that's another matter. And for multiple reasons, no doubt, we all go through these transition periods. And some of them are wild rides. I think our society is going through that right now in our world. We need to seek to understand and we need to stop our impulse to wound and lash out. That just pleases our ego. You know, when you say some nasty thing about somebody else, it may give you a rise. It actually has a chemical element in your brain that may feel momentarily good, but it's doing tremendous harm. There are things in the world that are scary. There are people who are doing harm to others right now and in very physical ways. We can't just say, well, that's just fine. Of course not. There's trafficking going on of people. It's still happening. There are all kinds of very challenging things that are happening within our human experience. But we are managing our lives. We are managing our paths. We are working with our own reactions, our own impulses. And if we choose not to be impulsive, if we choose to reflect more deeply, if we choose to collect information from scientists on any number of issues facing us today and actually look at different viewpoints. That takes courage. That'll help us. It won't hurt us. And yes, spirituality is very important. Vitally so. It's what helps us connect to the love that binds us all together. It reminds us who we are and who we can be. And in the midst of it, you are you, having your human experience, just as I did on that day long ago, which was September 11, 2001, 20 years ago today. Take care, everyone. I may be here next week. I thought I was going on hiatus, but if I can, I'll do one another show next week. We'll see. Just keep an eye on the schedule or find it in the archive later. Take care. See you. See you when we're together again and explore the shows in the archive when we're not. Until next time.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 